Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4 into Romans chapter 12. Ephesians chapter 4 into Romans chapter 12. I wanted to highlight also that uh, we are we just launched a YouTube channel this week, uh, YouTube channel. We're just trying to make it available We're, uh, to, to streamline our video and audio, uh, the content. Sometimes, you know, you're recording things, and over this last year, you're recording things, and you're expecting to record more and more things with discipleship and, and uh, the weekends and uh, and Tuesdays and all this stuff that you just want to put it into one place. And so we're kind of moving toward YouTube. We were waiting until our quality got there. And so I think um, we're, we're getting there or we've gotten there. So would you go do us a favor and open up YouTube and press subscribe on YouTube. And it'll just allow that whenever there's a new message or whenever there's allow, uh, something that we upload that you're able to go right to it. You can press like on there if you like it. If you don't like it, you don't press like. That's okay. But uh, let, your, let your like be like and your unlike not be like, okay. But, but you can subscribe. Also, we've had a number of people that have asked about uh, podcasts, and we hadn't posted any podcasts since um, January, but we just started posting those again, and we're going to get those all caught up, okay. So uh, you can go on to Spotify or go on to Apple uh, Podcasts and just type in Memphis Tabernacle, and you should be able to get all those, and those should be up to date, Okay. Hey, I started last week a series called Why Am I Here? Why Am I Here? It's a big question, huge question. It's about our purpose in life. Why do I exist? I, I, I know people know where they work. I know people know where they go to school. I know people know what family they're in and they know what they're doing. But a lot of times we don't understand why I'm doing it. In fact, sometimes you wake up and go, why the heck am I doing what I'm doing? Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever there right now? <laughs> yeah, I know there's probably some people that why am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? The sad thing is, is many people go years of life, years and years of life, and they never answer that question. They never, they don't even know how to answer that question. And so they don't know what to do. So that's what we started with, this big question of why am I here? Listen, if you've been born again, you can't answer that. If you've been born again, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you personally cannot answer why you're here. Why? Because you didn't start you. Life didn't begin with you. Life began with Jesus Christ. There was a divine reset that happened on the cross when he said it is finished and the resurrection of new life in Jesus Christ. There's something that brand new that happened. New life happened in your life. In order to determine the purpose of something, you have to go back to the one that created it. If you created something and you just... Uh, you, you had someone says, "Well, what is this?" And you're looking. You could find purposes and reasons and ways to use it, but if you really want to find out the true purpose of something, you have to ask the person who created this. And you say, "What is it for?" Oh, I would have never known that. There's things I've, I want. There's tools I want to go throw away, uh, and, and then I thought I better just ask what it is. And after I've asked, they said, "Oh, I thought, oh, I need that. I just didn't know what it was for." And that's why people, I believe, attempt, uh, you know, to take their lives. 
because, or they want to take out, because they don't even know what the tool is for. They don't even know what their lives are for or all about. It's, it's one of the biggest questions. Last I read, there was a survey, and, and over 80% of people could not tell you what the purpose of their life was. I mean, they, they were just saying, I'm just, man, honestly, I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make it happen. I'm just trying to move forward. But they really couldn't tell you. The purpose. But when you're born again, there was a divine reset. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let me just read this to you. I know I asked you to turn to, to Ephesians and I want you to stay there. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Again, not, not washed, not just clean, new, brand new. And it says the old life is gone and the new life has begun. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The saddest, one of the saddest scenarios that I've seen are believers who are trying to find their old life again. Believers who are looking for their old life. They're just saying, I'm just trying to find out, remember how it was in high school? Remember how it was in college? Remember how I was this and I was that? And they're trying to find what their life was like before Christ. Let me tell you, that life is gone. The hard drive has been reset. The files have been deleted. It's over. If you're looking for that, you're going to be a frustrated Christian. The only place you can find, the only place you can find purpose in your life is in Christ Jesus. And you say, well, I'm in Christ Jesus and I don't have purpose. No, you have to go to Christ Jesus. And you have to know that he has divinely reset you and put things in your new operating system that are, that are for your future. It's all found in Christ. It says in Colossians 3.3, you died and your life, your life is hidden in Christ. Your life is hidden in Christ. So if you don't know what your purpose is, where do you have to go? To Christ. He's, he's the only one who can show you your purpose. A new life has begun. Well, look in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse Four, and it says this, and I'd like for us to read these first three verses together, uh, verses 4 through 7. Ephesians 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. This is the Holy Spirit writing through the Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. And he says this. Read, read with me. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I want you to notice he says there's one body and one spirit, just as you are, you have one hope of your calling. He actually gives seven different ones there. Seven times he says there's one. What he's really saying is you, you... You, me, you, the individual, are a part of something bigger. And you can't see what your purpose is until you see what the bigger part is. It would be like trying to explain uh, an operating system and you just explain a little part and you go, this is what you're about, and you go, I don't get it. Well, you don't get it. It's, it's kind of like when you explain there's a whole way of explaining something that's called whole part whole. You start with the whole. Well, this is what the whole computer does. And here's the parts now. And then let's go back and finish by saying here's what it does. In order to understand your purpose, you have to understand your purpose is not about you. 
Your purpose didn't start with you. Your purpose doesn't end with you. It starts with a bigger picture. So in order, it, it's sort of like the focusing in of a lens that you can focus in on the part, but in order to really understand, I like how those movies start, that it starts in some scene and you're like, what in the world is this all about? And then it backs up and it tells, it shows the, the bigger picture and you say, oh, now I understand why this happened and this and that. That's what happens. It says here in, in, in Ephesians, you are a part, he says, there is one body and one spirit. Can you say one body and one spirit? See, you are a part of something bigger than you. There's one body, but there's many parts of the body, just like a physical body. He compares a physical body to what the spiritual body is. I want you to notice it's the same creator who created the physical body and who created the spiritual body of Christ. I believe that's why so many people get and say, I'm not even going to be, be, be part of a church or be part of Christians or be part of this or be part of that. Let me tell you, just in case you didn't know, Christians aren't perfect. And just in case you didn't know, you may have walked in here this morning and thought, this church is perfect. I'm just kidding. I know you didn't think that. I know you didn't think that. But if you hang around, you'll realize we're not perfect. There is no, in fact, they say there's a certain number you get to at a church to where you realize that there's, there's problems, too. <laughs> right? That's conflict. That's disagreement you get into. And the reality is if you get offended at someone and say, forget it, I'm not going to be part of this. It's just about me and God. No, it's not about you and God. It's not about a body part in the head. It's just about the finger in the head. It's not about the finger in the head. You find your identity with the rest of the body. In fact, a lot of times people don't know their identity because they don't want to be a part of anything else. I just, just me and Jesus. It's not about you and Jesus. You're part of the body of Christ, and the body is part of, and he's the head of the body. Somebody say amen. Not just uh, Cassandra. Okay, everybody say amen. One body, many parts, just like a physical body. Do you know our bodies are fascinating? People go to, go to school for years and years, four years, six years, 10 years, 12 years, and study the body and continue to do research on the body. And I think for as long as we're on earth, there's going to be research that's done on our physical body. Why? Because we're a living organism and there's things that we're still trying to understand about our physical body. Do you know that the body of Christ, it's a living organism as well. And there's things, it's complex. It's not just complicated, it's complex. There's a lot to it. But the Bible says that our life, our part is found within the context of the whole. They go together. They go together. If you don't get... You, or you don't get the head without the body. You can't really just say, I just want Jesus without getting his body. You can't love, say, I love Jesus without saying, I love his body. In fact, it says in 1 John, don't say you love God and hate your brother and think that's okay. You can't do it. Why? Because Jesus is attached to his body. Jesus is attached to his body. So you can't love the head and not love the body. You don't get part of the body without taking the whole. And uh, they're not to be taken apart. You can't just take part of the body. Well, you ever, uh, you, know, you know, like someone, you just say, oh, you know, maybe a young person, and you say, you know, I want to date them. I don't want to date their body, but I want to date them. Or you might say, I want to I date them, but I don't want to date that part of them. No, they come with them. You get all of them. And, and, I, and I've, been in, I've been in premarital counseling where they just said, you get all of me or you don't get none of me. 
Somebody know what I mean? That's how it is with the church. You get all of us or you don't get any of the reason. The reality of it is it comes with its greatness and it comes with its flaws. Jesus isn't the flaw. I said Jesus isn't the problem. But there's still kinks and things that are getting worked out in the body. That's why the Bible says each part does its share, causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. And speaking the truth in love may work out all that stuff. Okay. Somebody, amen. All right. So you don't want to write off the body because if you, if you only like part of the body, then you miss out on the whole. And if you miss out on the whole, then you miss out on your part of the whole. The Holy Spirit is writing through Paul here to believers. And I want you to notice this also. He's, there's not a our, ch- our church life Bible and then, then we have the real life Bible. Like, oh, okay, he's writing for what goes on in the church on Sundays, and this is what he's talking about on Sundays. But then when we really get into our life, our normal life, like our real life, like I'm really just trying to extract what I can get for church for my real life. That's not, what, that's not how he writes. The way that the Lord writes to the church is that he assumes that your life is connected to the church. And I'm not talking about the corporate church. I'm talking about the believers in the church. Wherever he's connected you, whoever he's connected you with, he assumes that you're connected with those people like tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, not just next Sunday. Oh, I can't wait. To, don't want to see them again. Seven days. <laughs> Got to get through these six days, right? No, no, no. No, you're connected with them. There's not a church life Bible, and then there's the rest of our lives Bible. When Christ resets us, our whole life is now found in Christ, and our whole life is now found in the body of Christ. That's just the way it is. Um, We are now found in Christ's body. Our new life is found within the context of a connected body of Christ. Our new life is now found in the context of a connected body of Christ. I don't, that, that's why it says in, in Psalm 92.13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So many people want to take, you know, it's like you buy that pot from Home Depot, you buy like a potted plant and you bring it home and you want to plant it and you say, well, I'm not sure where I want to plant it, so I just, I'm just going to put it right there. And you just keep watering it and month after month you keep watering it. Is that plant going to flourish? Maybe it'll stay alive. Maybe. But it won't flourish until you do what? Get it out of its pot and plant it. But I don't want to plant it. I'm not sure where I want it. I'm not sure if I like the ground. I'm not sure if it has enough soil. I'm not sure if I'm getting fed. I'm not sure if this. I'm not sure. Listen, get out of your pot and get planted if you want to grow, if you want to flourish. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. There's something about planting. I don't know if I like this church. That's great. Go to another church and find somewhere you like. And get planted. Why? The point is not about growing our church. It's, there's a bigger church out there. But find a church. Find a body. Find a place that you're supposed to get planted. And go get planted. Why? For your sake and for their sake. Because those who are planted shall flourish. We're a part of a bigger body. We cannot separate the parts from the whole and find purpose and functionality according to intentional design. We can't separate the parts. You come with the body. And the body comes with you. We cannot show up to church 
and get what we need for the purpose of going out and operating independently of the other gifts that God has called us to run with. I'm just trying to get my stuff so that I can get out there and live my life. God hasn't called you to do that. There, there's people he's called you to run with. There's, there's a body, there's a family that he's called you to run with. Somebody say amen. Whether, whether, you're ca- whether you say, I've never heard that before. Well, that's why he says there's one body, there's one spirit, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, and you're a part of it. You're a part of it. God has called us to run with others in coordination. Just as you were called, he says, in one hope of your calling. There's a purpose for the whole body and a purpose for the part of the body. And it's important to know, know both. You know, if you were on a sports team, and, uh, and, and in the, sorry to ladies to give so many sports examples, but, uh, you know, let's just stick with that, okay? Because I was about to give a ballet. You like sports too. Okay, good. But uh, if you were on any, any team, they usually tell you the mission of that team. But then they'll come and tell you your part to play in that minute. Do you know that if you don't understand what the whole play is, and then you don't understand what your part in the play is, you really won't run it right? If, you, if the people say, I don't want you to know what the whole is, I just want you to know just what you're going to do in this. You really won't be able to do it well. Why? Because then if something goes differently than you had planned, you won't be able to, to redirect because you don't know the purpose, you're just trying to be a controlled person. I, they just told me to go over there. And you go, but the whole plate went over there. Are you serious? You still ran over there? That's what they said to do, just run over there. <laughs> well, see, you're just trying to do your part, but you don't understand what the whole part is. There's a bigger purpose in this whole thing. And it's important to know the, that there is a purpose for the whole body and for your part of the body, just like a team. Well, why am I here? I cannot, again, fully answer the purpose of my life without realizing who my life is connected to. You're going to have to ask Jesus who he's called you to connect with, where he's called you to connect, what friends he's called you to connect with, what church he's called you to connect with, what place he's called you to plug in and give your life to and through. That's just, And you'll find your purpose in doing that. My purpose is part is a part and function of a larger purpose. Something changes when you put gifts together in coordination. You know, my life changed. I, 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 my life, I remember being single. I didn't get married until I met Tiffany when I was 26 years old. We got married when I was 28 years old. So it was about a year and a half after I met her and we got, we got married. My life uh, as a single person was the same life but different. When we got married, life changed. I got an upgrade. Somebody know, you know what I mean? It's like you get so many points with an with a, a airline or a hotel or a credit card or something, and they give you, hey, Mr. Dearman, we gave you an upgrade. When I got married, I got an upgrade. Now, it didn't change. I could still have some of the, I, I still had some of the benefits of living for the Lord, but I felt like we just went on supercharge. Two is better than one, the Bible says. And, and life just changed. But do you know that every relationship you come into, every time a, a new person is added to this body at Memphis Tabernacle, we just got an upgrade. We just got an upgrade. Why? Because something morphed and something changes. Now, our, our, our heart, our beliefs, who we are didn't change. Our mission didn't change. But how we do it just changed. I believe in some ways it just got a little bit easier. Why? Because we have someone who's graced and gifted in something that we, yesterday, we weren't, we didn't have that. And now we just got some type of an upgrade there. 
But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. The title, if I didn't tell you, of my message today is Graces, or Your Grace and Your Place. Your Grace and Your Place. Your Grace and Your Place. And the three points I'm going to give about this is this, about your grace and place. Number one is this. You have a supernatural grace from God. Every person in this room, if you're in Christ Jesus, when you got, had a divine reset, he's given you a supernatural grace. You go, I know about grace. I'm going to heaven. I'm not talking about that. Grace is a big word. Grace is a big word, okay? So there's a lot of applications to the grace, and I'm, I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. But you have a supernatural grace that's been given. You individually have a supernatural grace that's been given to you by God. What's challenging for others can come very easy to you in certain areas. And things that come very easily to others may be challenging for you. And if we beat our head against the wall and think that God's created everybody the same and I wish I could do what they can do, I wish I can operate the way they can operate, then we're going to live an unsatisfied life. I want to do what they're doing. I want to do what they're doing. It's like the hand saying, I want to do what the foot you know, can do. Can you imagine... If, if we were to take this physical body and switch my hand like Mr. Potato Head and switch my hands and switch my feet for the day, can you imagine? You know, I know some people can say they can walk on their hands. I don't know if you know Pastor David can't walk on his hands for very long. Can you imagine if you had to walk on your hands and you had to put shoes on your hands, those little bitty shoes, little bitty shoes about like this long, you had to put those shoes on your hands and you're kind of walking along on those hands. Can you imagine that? You're trying to, and, and can you imagine well, th those hands, that, that how, how brittle they would become? You'd, you'd be breaking your fingers. You know, you have those long fingers down there, uh, walking around on your hands, shoes on your hands. Hands are not built to support your structure. Can you imagine your feet, if your feet were on your, on your, on your right up here, and you, you have your feet here, and you're trying to type something with your feet? That's kind of how my fingers are, by the way. I have, like, toes on the end of my hands. And, or you're trying to do your smartphone, you're trying to do your smartphone with your toes, and you're like, doo, 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 you know, and you're trying to, do you know how many misspelled and autocorrect were? By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but Siri and Google, they don't autocorrect. They don't spell right, and they don't autocorrect with Christian terms all the time. I've sent some bad messages to people. <laughs> I said, I promise you, I still like you. I didn't mean to say that. Then I had to realize that I, I had to, like, find a keep it clean button. Because I've sent some messages on it. I'm just a, and it, it was like I was just saying, like, have a nice day. And I said something I shouldn't have said. I said, oh, I need to read those messages before I send them. There's some funny things, you know, going on. See, you can't type with your fingers, right? Can you imagine if you, if you had your feet on your hands and you had to go give a, get, a, I guess, a foot shake? You had to go, hey, shake some feet. You have some big feet and you have them shake some feet that go along. Could you imagine that? That'd be kind of fun. Or what, what do you do? Pedicure, manicure? How do you do? I'm going to go get a pedicure today. Well, I'll get a, I'll get a mani-pedi. You have to go backwards. I don't know. But it just wouldn't work. Why? God is the one who put, how many are glad you, God put our hands where our hands are and our feet where our feet are? But the same thing, you should be glad that God put that person in a certain place and you in a certain place. Don't get jealous of someone else in their role. I promise, without the grace to be there, you don't want to be there. You do not want to self-place yourself. You do not want to put yourself in a place that God hasn't put you. Because if you don't have the grace to be there, then you'll be taken out of there. Not by a person necessarily, maybe by yourself. 
You'll be taken out of there because you just realize. Can you imagine, um, I heard the example of a neurosurgeon and a, and a welder. You know, there was that bridge, the interstate bridge right here in Memphis where they, they saw that crack, and I saw that crack, this big crack in the bridge. But if you took the role of a neurosurgeon and, uh, and you took the role of a welder and you said, let's switch their roles for the day. Let's just switch their roles for the day. And you took that, you, they both, you know, p- kind of put things together and make sure that things, yeah, I could do the other person's job, right? And you put that neurosurgeon who's brilliant, studied long, but he gets out there under that and he's looking at that bridge and you say, here, you hand him the, the welder pieces and you hand him, you know, the, 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 all this stuff and you say, here you go, okay, here, get up on the ladder. He says, man, I'm not touching it. I'm not doing it. You know, I'm, you're putting lives at stake, right? Well, yeah, you have lives at stake all the time. I don't do that. I don't do bridges, right? Well, why not? I, that's just not what I do, right? Or you could take that welder and you put him in the operating room, right? You mark up that skull. You do all the things and you have the person that's standing there and you say, hey, I know that you weld and put things together and make sure. Can, can you go ahead and take, man, I'm not touching it. Why? Two different gifts. See, sometimes you can be in the wrong place and think you're just no good. No, you're not. It's not that you're no good. You're just in the wrong role. You're just in the wrong place. It's just not something that you've been graced, gifted, studied, uh, 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 got behind. Sometimes you can study it and you don't have the gift for it. There's people I know. I shouldn't say I know, but there's because I'm not consciously aware of it right now. But there's people I know who have got college degrees, graduate degrees, and they look at it and say, "I hate what I do." I don't feel grace to do it. Why do you do it? Because my mama and dad told me to do it. No, listen, you better stay in your grace if you want to know where do I fit, where do I belong. You, you can't just have some map and some course and read it out of some book of what I'm supposed to do. Somebody say amen today. If you're on, in the wrong role, it may seem like you don't have gifts. You, you don't only got to get on the right bus, but you got to get in the right seat on the right bus. Grace was given. Notice, grace was given. The word grace is a big word in the Bible. It's a big word. We know grace uh, as defined as unmerited favor. Most people will know that as unmerited favor. It's a grace of God to you. Grace of God to you. But the grace of God is also shown, in fact, in this verse, it, there's also a defined as, as a divine influence or an ability that he gives you. A, defi- a divine influence or an enablement or an ability that he gives you that's a grace in you. Not just a grace to you, but a grace in you. Do you know if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, every single person in here has a divine ability, a unique divine ability that God has graced you with. He's enabled you with. It's a divine ability. Romans chapter 12, look over to that. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says, for I say through the grace that was given to me, Romans 12, 3, to everyone, look on your screens, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of grace. Look at these terms. Through the grace, see Paul is writing and he's saying, through the grace given to me, he's saying, I'm I'm ministering through the grace given to me. See, Paul wasn't just an educated man and just a brilliant man. His ministry came and why it went for so long, his ministry came through the grace of God. You cannot minister through just your education. 
You cannot minister through just your experience. You, if you want to minister for the Lord, you have to minister through the grace that's given you. We need to depend upon the grace. In the New Testament, you'd see it over and over where he'd say grace to you and peace from our Father. Why would he say grace to you? Because listen, the church, the people of God, believers need grace on their lives. They need a divine enablement. There are some things that I just cannot do without the grace of God. There are some things, and I'm not just talking about in church. There are things, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a trash truck driver, or if you're a medical uh, person or you're a, you're a person that, that, that works out in, in the, uh, the, for the city of MLGW or you're a teacher, whatever you need, you need a grace, a divine enablement from God. Whether you're a builder, whether you're a planner, whatever you are, a musician, whatever you are, you need the divine enablement to be able to do what you do. You need the grace of God. But he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. I want you to notice, he doesn't say, don't think of yourself highly. Now, some people say, oh, I'm just humble. I'm just way down here. No, that, sometimes that could be a false humility. He said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Well, obviously, you, you're, I guess you're thinking of yourself highly then. It's okay to think of yourself highly. In fact, in one place, Paul said, I magnify my ministry. Right? You should esteem your own ministry and the grace that God's given you. But the minute you start thinking more highly than God has put you is the minute that you're out of line, out of your place. He says, don't think more highly. Can I tell you, don't think more highly of yourself and don't, and don't think more lowly of yourself either. You have to know the grace that God's called you to. And you have to esteem the grace that God's called you to. And you have to esteem the graces that God's called other people around you to walk in. Do you know if you'll receive and accept the graces in other people around you's life, you'll connect better with them? Your relationship will be better with them? Why? Because you receive them, you connect them with them. You're connected together. Am, am I get, anybody catching something out of this this morning? Okay. Not to think of yourself more highly. And then he says, for God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I want, I want to tell you this this morning. Our grace operates where our faith is. Our grace operates where our faith is. So as we grow in faith, we also grow in grace. That's why some people you say, well, I'm called to the same thing they are. Why are they further along? Because they're further along in faith, which accesses the grace of God upon their lives. They, or sometimes it's a humility. Sometimes it's something that they've walked in and they've had, they're, they're further along than you in these areas. So number one was, number one is you have a supernatural grace from God. Number two is your gifts are according to your grace. Your gifts are according to your grace. God lays out your gifts according to your grace. He says in verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same function. So we have, uh, we being many, or being one body in Christ and individually members of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace. Gifts differing according to the grace. Notice the gifts that you flow in are different according to the grace of God upon your life. He says, so let us use them if prophesy, prophecy prophesy um, in proportion to your faith. We don't all have the same function and you have to be in the place that God has called you and I to be in. God places people according to their grace and their gifting. 
God puts them in a place according to their grace and their gifting. Again, some people go to college, have degrees. Some people will, will have many years of experience and a certain grace, and they never can excel at an area, and they don't know why. It's because they don't have a grace from God in that area. Can I tell you, this will save you some time. Find out what God's graced you in. Find out the passion. The Bible says it's God who works in you, Philippians 2.13, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Find out what God is what's burning in your heart and what you're good at and what comes easy to you and what you're graced at before you go pursue education, before you go trying to think that that's going to make you. Let me tell you what's really going to make you, the grace of God upon your life behind what you do. Somebody say amen this morning. There's a lot of people that are out of their grace. You have to stay in your grace zone. We have to stay in our grace zone. You have to stay in your grace zone. Sometimes we, we find ourselves and we're going, I don't know what's going on in life. Things are going good, but I'm just struggling. I'm behind on things. I don't know what to do. Well, maybe you're out of your grace zone. Maybe things were working yesterday because you were in your grace. And maybe you've just taken a five yards too far, and now you realize my grace zone was right back there, but it's not here. I've stepped out of my grace zone. I need to stay in the place that God has called me. I need to stay in my grace, out of their grace zone. You may have to find your grace zone again. When you're out of your grace, you're out of your place. And I heard someone say, and when, I, when you're out of your grace, you're out of your place, and when you're out of your place, you fall on your face. Isn't that the truth? So if you're trying to say, where am I? Why isn't life working? Sometimes it's because we're not falling within the grace. We've, we've set up our own place because we've looked at someone and said, I always want to be like them. Watch who you set up as heroes. Watch who you set up as heroes. You may not want them to be your heroes. The only heroes you should be following are heroes that are humble and have surrendered their lives. And what you will follow after is their humility. And their hunger for the Lord. And their hunger for what they're going after. And if it's in your area and an area that you, then I understand you follow after that. But don't just follow after someone who you say is a hero. And then you go and find your life 20 years, 10 years, 20 years down the line. And you're lost. And you go, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Because we have to start with God. Not come back and ask God to rescue us. It's like that, that term we said about young people. you got to reach them before they need to be rescued. Reach them before they need to be rescued. And then number three, your grace gifts operate in proportion to your faith. Your grace gifts operate in proportion to your faith. As your faith develops, you can access more grace. As your faith develops, you can access more grace for the gifts that you have on the inside of you. He says, having then, verse 6, having then gifts that differ according to the grace that's given us, let us use them. If prophesy, let us prophesy, notice, in proportion to our faith. In proportion to our faith. The gift is according to the grace, and the grace gifts operate in proportion to our faith. That's just how it works. As your faith develops and grows, you can access more grace that he has to be able to operate in that. That's why in Romans chapter 5 verse 2, it says, through whom also we also have access by faith into this grace by which we stand. Notice, we access, what's the key to get into the door of grace? Faith. 
Again, oh God, I just cry out for, I just cry out for grace. It's not just crying out for grace. I'm not saying you shouldn't cry out for grace. But I'm saying we have to believe that the grace of God has been given us. And one of the ways of believing it is begin to walk in the grace. Begin to exercise the grace. He says here, if you have prophecy, prophesy in proportion to your faith. Prophesy in proportion to your faith. I remember when I, I've led, I led worship for probably 20-some 20 some years, 30 years of my life, and I'd stand up to lead worship, and I led worship, and I led worship, and I led worship, and I led worship, but I remember when I first started leading worship, I remember there was like, I'd always have to have a chord chart in front of me, and I was standing there, and I'm playing guitar, and I'm looking at that guitar, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing, and I'm singing, and I'm looking at people, and I was kind of scared to look at people, and I'm going, well, why? I was freaking out. I had to go change my shorts at the end of, the end of worship, because Why? Because I'm, I'm just kidding by that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I'm saying, but, but what I am saying is I'm sitting here during worship and I'm freaked out because I didn't, I didn't really exercise this grace very much. But what did I do? I had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to help me. Lord, I need you to help me. And I kept exercising. And little by little, by little by little, I just could eventually just put the music away and step aside and just lead out of my heart. Well, how did I develop that? I developed that by starting exercising the grace, by stepping, staying in my grace zone. You're not always good at it right away, but you're staying in your grace zone and continuing to develop, to develop the gifts that he's given you. We're talking about graces and places, your grace and your place in life as your faith develops. Or he says, if prophecy... If your gift is prophecy or in ministry, let us do it in ministry, in teaching, in teaching, exhortation and exhorting or encouraging, in giving with liberality, him who leads with diligence, him who has mercy with cheerfulness. In the Amplified, let me read this to you. It says, uh, so we numerous as we are are one body in Christ, he says, the Messiah, and individually we are parts of one another, mutually dependent upon one another. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. Somebody say, let us use them. Let me tell you, if you have a grace, when is the time you're supposed to start using it? Now. Well, my gift is for one day. No, your gift is for now. Start, Jesus said, if you can't be faithful in what's another man's, how will he give you what's your own? If you're not faithful in what's least, how can you be faithful in what's much? The key to your next season is this season. If you're not doing anything in this season, then how can he trust you in something in the next season? I mean, I could give you many examples of that. But the only people I know that develop in their grace and their giftings are the people that start using. As soon as they discover it, they start using it and putting it to use. And say, hey, I put it under, you know, maybe other people who are more gifted and graced than that. But I'm going to start exercising it and using it and getting involved in my grace and, and, and start developing those things. Prophecy, uh, you, know, uh, the, you know, the Bible says we could all prophesy, by the way. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says you can all prophesy, I believe th verse 31. But he says right at the beginning that we should all desire to prophesy. It says in, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 2, in, in the book of Acts, he says, these are the things that which spoken by, uh, by Joel the prophet that said, I'll pour out my spirit on the last days and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. We can all prophesy, but not everyone has the gift of prophecy. Amen. Prophecy, according to 1 Corinthians 14, is exhortation, edification, and comfort. There are some people 
who will begin to prophesy. And what is, what is prophecy? It's an utterance in a known tongue. Utterance in a known tongue. Um, that you're, you're catching something from the Spirit and you're verbalizing it, and we would say in English, so that people can go, this is what, this is what I'm sensing the Lord is doing or saying right now. Uh, in this, and you begin to say it prophetically. There are some people who begin to exercise prophecy, and by the way, if the Lord gives you a word, don't give a sentence. Give a word. And if the Lord gives you a sentence, don't give a paragraph. All, all you should do is just whatever it is. You may say, all I got right now as we're, as we're praying is, I'm praying and I think there's an opportunity coming up for you as I was praying, and I don't know what it is, but I just want to pray that that you'd know what that is and God would bless you in it, right? I mean, you just know, you don't, don't feel dumb about not knowing. If you needed to know more, you'd know more. And as you begin to share, you'll grow in the things. But there are other people I know who I almost feel like maybe their first time prophesying and they just flow in it. And you just go, man, you get together. And I, in fact, there's times where we get together in a, in, a, in a small group. You know, I remember years ago, I was in a small group. You get together and I'd share, and then someone else would share, and someone else would share, and then this person would share. And when they start sharing, I'm like, oh, man, I just feel like heaven just came down. Well, what is it? No, because they, they were saying something prophetically. Other times, someone, I open up a passage and I said, hey, this is what I saw out of this. And someone else said, yeah, what I saw out of this was, and they begin to break it down. And I realized, well, they had the gift of teaching. See, there are different gifts that we have in the body. You're not supposed to have all of them, but when, listen, listen, there's seven of them here. If, we're, if we have seven people that are together and each of us have one of them, we have all of them. I said, if there's seven people and each of them have one of them, then we have all of them. But all we have to have is our own. We don't have to have function all, in all seven of them. Somehow the Lord makes it to where we need to depend upon one another. And we need one another. Anybody catching something this morning? Yeah. We all have different parts. There are different people who just have, uh, I'm talking about prophetically, they have different artist gifts, creative gifts. Some people can just paint. They put on some worship music and paint stuff that's beautiful. If I painted something, it may be spiritual, but I don't know if it would be holy spiritual. There's musicians that can get and prophetically just play and create why? Because that's just something they flow in. He says, he who has some, uh, he says, he whose gift is practical service, let him do it by giving, uh, by serving. You know, there's some people who are just good at meeting needs. They're just great at meeting needs. They see needs and they just meet the needs. They don't need to be in front of people. They, in fact, they don't even want to be in front of people. They don't, they don't really care. They just want to make sure that people's needs are met. Some people are really good with their hands. They're good at building. They're good at solving problems. They're good at coming in. They're, in, they're not only good at it because of experience. They're anointed to do it. They've been good at it since they were a little kid. I can tell you, one of my sons, he, since he was a little kid, the way he put together building blocks was better than everybody else, including me. He'd come, and I'd try to figure something out, and he comes, and do-do-do-do-do, and I'm like, he's four. Ugh. He's just anointed to do it. Just anointed to do it. And let me just tell you, God's wired different people different ways. Uh, he says he who teaches in his teaching. There's some people who just have the gift of hearing something and breaking it down and saying it again, regurgitating it, so to speak, so, and it's easy for you to understand. Well, they have a gift of teaching. There's other people who have a gift of exhortation. Do you know there's some people in the church who are just natural encouragers? 
And how many of you know we need some of those? I mean, you get around them and you just feel like you took like a, a, a shower in love. You just feel so good. You may have had a hard day and you come around those encouragers. And I'm not talking butter up. By the way, the people who butter up, they're ready to fry you up, <laughs> you know, sometimes. I'm not talking about butter up. I'm talking about encourage you, build you up, build you up, build you up. Some people have a natural, sometimes I'll see, you know, a baby that's crying, ah, ah, and then pass it off from person to person, and then someone come and say, come here, sugar, give me that baby, and they'll take that baby and just pat that baby, and that baby just calms down. Why, why is that? They just have a natural gift. They're anointed to do it. It's not like they learned or watched a YouTube video on it. I watched a YouTube video on it too. I can't do that. Anybody know what I mean? See, you got to find your grace and your gift and what is it that you do. It's not what can you do. It's what do you do that other people can't. What do you do? What comes naturally to you? He says, him who contributes, let him do it with simplicity and liberality. There's some people who just have the gift to make money. I mean, there's people, I, I remember I had a friend that this guy, he would, he would come low on his bank account. He'd come home and say, oh, man, we need some more money. And it would be within two weeks. He'd come back with all the money for the next month and two months. And that guy, and I think, where did this guy get the money? And he wasn't a drug dealer. I mean, this guy, this guy would bring some money. He was doing it legally. But he was just an entrepreneur, and he knew how to make money. Some people are gifted at that. And what does the Bible say? It says, if you're gifted at that, it says, um, do it with simplicity and liberality. In other words, don't, don't get complicated about that. But the making money is not so that you can be above everybody else and have some complicated life. In fact, it, it could ruin you if you have it that way. What is it for? It's to share it with others. It's to be able to be that gift in the body. He who gives aid and superintends. What is that? It's the gift of leadership and administration. There are some people who are natural born leaders, but I would say supernatural born leaders. That in them, if no one takes charge, they just step up and say, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll take charge, and they'll just step up and do it. I remember I worked with a guy in Anaheim, and, uh, and I just couldn't, I had to ask the Lord uh, to, to give me a gift of leadership. Because I remember we would be in meetings, or we would be in, in, in things, and, and we would be going over something, and I just, man, I thought, oh, I don't feel like leading. And this guy would just stand up humbly, real humbly, and would just say, hey, I'll do it. And would stand up and do it. And I mean, it would be brilliant. As if, and I said, did you know about this before? No. He's just anointed to do it. He did that with everything. Humble, administrative, could just find the gifts, coordinate it. There'd be some wreck or some disaster or something that would happen, you know, out in his workplace where he worked. And he'd just put it all, pull it all back in order. They have the gift of administration. They have the gift of leadership. And then he says, he who has, does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joy of eagerness. I, I think that's interesting. Genuine mercy. It's those who feel deeply compassionate about people. They're empathetic to needs. They're very sensitive to other people. Does anybody know anyone like that? Yeah, we need people like that. They're very empathetic, but they said, make sure that the people with, that they do it cheerfully. They're not always Debbie Downer, right? Yeah. Are you going through something? So are a lot of other people. <laughs> no, they said, do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully. Don't pull down the environment, right? Go pay attention to that person's needs and do it with joyful eagerness, right? Keep it up. So you're, you have supernatural graces from God. Your gifts are according to your grace, and your grace gifts operate according to your faith. Well, what do I do on these things? And let me just wrap it up with saying this. 
these three words. You discover your gifts. You have to develop your gifts. You have to put them to use. And you have to use your gifts now. You have whatever grace, and I'm going to pray for you right now, that God would show you. Maybe you already think you know, but let me tell you, some grace, some gifts you're born with, some gifts you pick up along the way or you become, they're almost unfold at certain seasons of your life, certain, they're for certain things of your life. But I'm going to pray that God would open your eyes to the gifts that he has in your life. And you just commit yourself to him. Discover these gifts. Discover, develop your gifts and to use your gifts. Oh, I, I want to read this one more verse on use your gifts. First Peter 4 says this, as each one of you has received a gift, minister it to one another. Nate, come up and minister your gift today. Minister it to one another. Listen, as, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, look at it in the Amplified. As each of you have received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a grace, divine endowment, employ it for one another as it befits good trustees of God's many-sided grace. Faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. Minister to one another. Minister to one another. Minister to one another. Your grace and your gift are in you. Some people have, some people have gifts and graces and they've known it when they were a kid. And they, they, they did have, maybe they were in a gang, and they became the gang leader. But really, why were they the leader? Not just because they were the bad boy, because they were called to leadership. And they used their gift to take someone in a different direction. Other people had gifts to encourage people, and they always knew how to get through. Other people had gifts of different things. Your gifts follow you all through your life. They follow you through good seasons, and they follow you through bad seasons. Let me tell you, if you'll surrender your gifts to the Lord, they'll come alive. You'll find your purpose. You'll find meaning in your life. Something inside of you that seemed to not, that, that, that I just feel like there's things in me. In fact, if anyone in here, are there things inside that just seem sometimes to lie dormant? Anybody in here? Yeah. Let me just pray for you today. There's things inside of you that you want to see activated, that you want to see come alive on the inside of you. It'll make all the difference in the world. But listen, it's not because God's going to do it. It's because you're going to do it. So many times people are waiting on God and I believe God's waiting on us. See, God's already, He's not, Jesus is not going to come down and die again and reset you again. Okay, I'll reset you again, I'll reset you again. You need another one reset? Reset you again. He's already reset you. Now it's up to us to discover and to walk in the plan of God. Come on, take your, would you take your hands and open them up to God today? As a representation of it, it's not the, the, the gifts go into the hands, they're going into the heart today. And say, God, I present myself to you, a living sacrifice. I present my heart to you. Say, I present my gifts to you. Fill me with your grace. Help me to have desires according to the grace inside of me. Show me what the path forward is. Show me what's next. Activate my gift. I dedicate it to you. 
and let's present ourselves. The Bible says present your, your members or your body parts to the Lord. Say, Lord, I give you my hands today. Use my hands for good. Use my hands to love people and minister to people. Say, Lord, I, I give you my feet today. Maybe just even give a little stomp on your feet. Lord, I give my feet to you today. Maybe my feet have gone in places they shouldn't go. Lord, I come and dedicate my feet to say, I put on my, my feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. My feet will go in the place where the gospel is supposed to go forth. My life, my mission, my goal is to propagate the gospel, to move forward the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, right over my, my, uh, my, my mind today, would you just put your hand over your head? Lord, over my mind today, I present my thoughts to you. Maybe some of you have had confusion in your thoughts. Lord, I pray for every person for their thoughts today. God has not given you a spirit of fear. I speak to fear and torment. I speak to discouragement. I feel, I speak to, to that which would self-condemn, shame, would put you down, would put you in a corner, would tell you that you've done it now. You've messed it all up now. You're no good. If people find out about you, it's all over. Fear, condemnation. In Jesus' name, I break every thought of condemnation. In Jesus' name, I break every thought of fear. In Jesus' name, I break every condemning thought, shaming thought. Be forgiven. Be cleansed. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Just over your mind right now, confusion. I speak to confusion right now. Maybe you've been praying about a decision in your life or about what you're supposed to be doing next or, or how you're supposed to approach a situation or someone, there's a loved one in your family. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray against all confusion and I say, peace. Would you tell the Lord, Lord, I cast all of my care over on you. I give you all of my thoughts. I give you all of my thoughts. I give you every decision right now. I roll it over on you, God. I trust in you. I believe in you and your word. I'm not going to worry about it. I repent of the sin of worry. That's a sin. Jesus said, don't do it. Do not worry. I repent of the sin of worry. I repent of the sin of self-condemning thoughts. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us, washes us. Oh, I, I sense right now there's, there's weights that are coming off of shoulders right now. There's weights that are coming off of minds right now. There's weights that are coming off of you right now. There's the Lord's extracting. There's things that are being removed right now out of your mind, out of your thought, out of your con. Pressure that you've had on your shoulders. Just take your... Just even take your posture and roll your shoulders back just for a minute. Just say, Lord, I roll all those weight, all that pressure off of me, all that anxiety off of my, my head, off of my shoulders, off of the weight that's on me. I roll it and cast it over on the Lord right now in Jesus' name. And I depend upon the grace of God, your grace, the grace of God in me. I present it to you, Lord. Put on the helmet of salvation. Would you say this today? I put on the helmet of salvation. And Lord, I, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Come on, let's take over our, over our heart right now. Lord, I guard my heart and I put on the breastplate of the, righteous, the righteousness of God. Say this, I am, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again, I am 
the righteousness of God in Christ. I have right standing with God because of the blood of Jesus. We believe you for that today in Jesus' name. Lord, I put on my waist of the belt of truth. Put on truth today. Any lies, any exaggerations, anything I've believed that's not true about my life or others' lives, I let it go in Jesus' name. I refuse to believe it right now. Go ahead and say it. you got to say it out of your mouth. I say it out of my mouth. In Jesus' name, I hold on to the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I take the shield of faith. Why don't you just hold up your hand and say, I take the shield of faith right now. And it quenches every fiery dart. Anything the enemy, thoughts the enemy, words the enemy, things people would speak against me over my life, over my family, over my destiny, over my future. In Jesus' name, I take the, the shield of faith. And I put it up and I say, no, I'm going to walk in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to walk in the plans of the Lord. I thank you, Lord. I guard my heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. And I thank you for it. And Lord, I take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and I put it in my mouth right now. In Jesus' name. Say this. I speak the Word of God. I hold on to the Word of God. I walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name thank you for it. And Father, I pray for every person in here. I pray that this week, I pray that this week, grace would come alive, beginning right now in Jesus' name, right now. Online, right now. In person, right now. Everyone under the sound of my voice, grace, be activated, be loosed right now by the will of the Lord, by the will of the Lord in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Yeah.